Hello there. Thanks for tuning in to this week's NTT20 betting show. It's the sound of the start of the weekend, certainly for us, George, because we, we try and, well, I wouldn't say we try and do it. The way that our week falls, if we're not on Sky on a Friday night, which is the case tomorrow, the betting show, pretty much the end of our working week. So it very much is, uh, it, specifically this week, the sound of the start of our weekend. This is the start of my weekend. Can we hurry up and get it over and done with? And then I can get on the sofa and watch loads of TV, then wake up at six o'clock tomorrow morning and watch the cricket. Uh, yeah, I mean, next weekend's going to be quite busy because um, it's a little Sky Quest doubleheader for me. So I'm going to really make the most of this weekend and eat lots of nice food and go for some really good exercise because what else is there to do? Uh, and of course, watch loads of football as well. Absolutely. Well, that's what we're talking about is the EFL docket, making some selections ahead of the weekend. This podcast is brought to you by Five Yards. Head to fiveyards.co.uk and check out the site. Check out the game and get playing. We're going to, like we did last week at the end of the betting show, add on a little snippet from this week's 5Y5, which is a weekly show that George and I do talking about five yards, talking about certain players in five yards terms. And we've taken a, we've taken a look rather uh, at some interesting EFL talents there as well. So please do keep listening at the end of this pod. Learn more about five yards. Feel free to message us on Twitter if you've got any questions about the game itself. We'll be happy to uh, get involved. But essentially, put your money where your mouth is. Pick players that you think will go on to do very well and try and beat the five-yard scouts who set the prices. Um, this is for over-18s only, as is five yards. Uh, this podcast is going to be touching on gambling. And gambling comes with risks. And please, please do understand the risks around gambling. Head to begambleaware.org for more information. Uh, last week, George's nap, the Bradford game, got postponed, um, which is obviously happening quite a lot at the moment. And my nap, Gillingham, really let me down, it's fair to say, against Burton. Uh, Accrington, draw no bet, though, George. That was a very impressive pick. I, I guess we almost upgraded that to your nap given that the Bradford game was uh, was called off. And, it was and, the next best, so that makes sense, I think. Well, it was good viewing on Friday night, that's for sure. Uh, and Callum Hudson-Odoi, as much as I was, as much as I didn't love putting him up on this show to score against Morecambe, he did score against Morecambe, and that was very pleasing, one of my stronger bets of the season, that. Um, no yeah, luck Chelsea on Chelsea have no place in the EFL. No. Yes, well done for your for your winning tip. Correct. Uh, no luck on the bonus bets, so we will try to rectify that today. Um, George, in the EFL this weekend, there's a ton of games across all three divisions. I would say the League One fixture list looks especially spicy. But in terms of a nap, in terms of a best bet, where are you looking? I'm going to the Championship. Um, I... For the for the sake of the content, Ali, I've tried to stick to games that I'm pretty confident are going to go ahead in terms of weather. I'm no COVID soothsayer. I don't know what's going to happen in terms of that in the next couple of days. But um, I was going to talk about the Harrogate-Exeter game where I think Harrogate are some value. Um, but Harrogate have tweeted a photo of their stadium today and it's snowing and <laughs> I've got a feeling that would be another void bet. Um, but if it does go ahead, I do think Exeter are overpriced. They seem to be priced up as one of the best teams in the division. And actually over the last five or six games, even though they score a lot of goals, um, the form has is, is kind of started to wane and they're now down in 10th. But anyway, my nap is Middlesbrough, um, who are 10 to 11 with Skybet. That's the best price. And they are home to Birmingham. Um, this is going to be pretty short for a nap because it's just one of those where I can't really work out what I'm missing. They've lost 
Birmingham have lost uh, five of their last six games during the other one. They haven't scored in their last three. You look at the opposition in, in those games and it's not particularly strong. You know, they drew nil-nil with Nottingham Forest. They were absolutely schlacked by Derby 4-0. And uh, Blackburn went and did a job at St Andrews last time as well. The last time these two sides met was just the other day because of the quirk of the fixture list uh, this season where we're now seeing return fixtures very quickly after they took place in December. Borough went out 4-1 winners that day, um, showing that Ita Karanka's style wasn't necessarily a match for um, for Neil Warnock's, even though Maxime Connor gave them the lead. Um, it was then pretty easy going for Borough, who were 3-1 up with about half an hour to go. And... Borough's form continues to be really good at home. Their last four home wins have been victories against Derby, Swansea, Millwall and Luton. This looks on paper to be by far and away the easiest of those. They've only conceded one goal in this time. This is a Birmingham side who can't really score. I mean, this just looks like uh, there's nothing clever going on here. <laughs> if there is something clever going on here, it's that I'm missing something and that the price is right. But this looks as obvious a home banker as, as you're really going to get. Um, so I'm interested to see how it's going to go wrong, but uh, but but yeah, I mean it's 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 I'm pretty sure that I'm not the only person who, looking through these prices uh, for the first time, was immediately drawn to that ten to eleven. Yeah, spot on. I mean, the only obvious thing that sprung into my head when you said I can't really see what would go wrong here is just Skybet Championship. Yes, <laughs> that's basically yes. it. That I would I would love. So to... my nap is therefore Birmingham at four to one. <laughs> <laughs> oh quite yeah um for my nap i'm in league one probably just as unpredictable as the championship this season i seem to have mostly found solace in league two but even that is getting murkier and murkier as the weeks mm. go on um i'm gonna pick mk dons and i'm gonna do a bit of an elec uh and put the d in dnb here Decent. MK Dons draw no bet at uh, six to four 2.5 is my nap this weekend they're playing away at peterborough and Posh, I mean, the match prices are posh around the sort of 2.1 mark, the draw around 3.4 and MK Dons around the same, 3.3, 3.4. You can get best price 3.5 on them. And I definitely think that there's value in MK Dons here. Um, clearly, there is a, a discrepancy between these two sides in the league table. Peterborough a fifth uh, on 33 from 19, which is 1.74 points per game. And MK Dons are 16th with 25 from 21, which is 1.19 points per game. But over the last four league games, MK Dons have seven points. Posh have five. Over the last six, both have got eight points. Over the last eight league games, MK Dons 12 points. Peterborough eight points. Over the last 10 league games, MK Dons 15, Peterborough 14. So if you're asking how I rate these two teams, I think those, you know, that form table, if you will, stretching back 10 games, which is a lengthy period of time, um, that's more illustrative of how good these teams are right now for me than what the current league table says. Now, I think the price has a lot to do with Posh's strong home form this season. They've won six of their eight games at home in the league this season. I note they haven't played anyone in the top 10 yet at home, Peterborough, which is kind of an interesting one just in general terms for Posh. I suppose you'd say that's actually really good for the rest of the season. It depends how you rank Posh if you're looking at them as a playoff or a promotion contender. The fact that clearly everyone's still got to play the top 10 teams again because we're only halfway through the fixtures, if that. But Posh have got all of them at home still to play, which is certainly worth a note if you think Posh are a strong home team then that could be, um, yeah, that's very much on your side. Anyway, I don't really mean to paint Posh as some miserable side, but I think 
I mean, you've been banging on about MK Dons for the last three months, mate, and it feels like, and it feels like you, you know, you and those who uh, within the fan base who kind of started to use the Philadelphia 76ers trademark phrase, trust the process, are starting to to see the results um, fall in line with the performances and see the process start to bear fruit, to be honest. So I don't think there's too much between these two sides, basically. They played last month and it was 1-1. Um, I, I would say, I mean, Posh took the lead, MK Dons, have struggled a little bit just giving away soft goals, although they have improved a lot in the last month or so. And that was just a, a, a sort of lofted cross from the left, which, which Clark Harris headed home between about three defenders. So clearly they need to defend Clark Harris better. But as soon as they went behind, they were the better side. Scott Fraser really took hold of the game in the second half and they came out with a one-all draw. So I really think MK Dons are the value here. I'm taking them draw no bet at 2.5. Um, I, as I say, I don't think there's a ton between the two sides, but I think... To coin a Carlo Ancelotti phrase, MK Dons are in a good moment right now. Um, and I'm <laughs> not sure you could say the same about Posh. So MK Dons, DNB, 2.5, best price there for me. That's my nap this weekend. In a good moment. Could also apply to Norwich City, yes. who are in a lovely moment, top of the championship. They are my next best. They're 11 to 8, 5 to 4, around about that mark. Um, and yeah, they're playing against a Cardiff side who are not in a good moment and a Cardiff side where, again, Neil Harris's uh, job security isn't the best uh, at the moment. You have to think that on the back of four consecutive defeats, including the 1-0 loss in the FA Cup, uh, his position is coming under threat. Since Kiefer Moore hobbled off injured against Swansea, they've lost four games, won just the one. That was a kind of unconvincing 3-2 win against Birmingham, whose form I've just spoken about in not particularly glowing terms. So I'm not going to really give them much credit for that. Um, Kiefer Moore is going to be, well, is supposedly going to play some part in this game. Uh, I don't think he's going to start and I don't think we can expect him to be fit either. I think his return to Cardiff will be crucial. I think Neil Harris will be hoping that he'll still be at the club when he when he does come back because Glatzel has not had a very good season so far and hasn't really been able to deputise particularly well. Uh, but this is an Norwich side who, who beat Cardiff 2-0 back in December pretty comfortably. They continue to improve pretty much week on week. They've still got the players we speak about the whole time. They've still got Brendia, they've still got Pookie, they've still got Cantwell. They've still got Aaron's and they are comfortably the better side for me. And if you think that even money would give them a 50% chance of, of winning the game, um, you know, I, I, I think personally that they are more likely to win this than not. And the odds of five to four, 11 to eight have to be taken. Um, because if, if, the, if the two teams play as we expect them to, if it goes down the form line, then I can't really see how Cardiff live with them again. Um, so yeah, next best is Norwich at Cardiff. Did you say Norwich have still got Finnish striker Teemu Puki, George? Yes, I did, yeah. Oh, that's really good news because I'm picking him to score any time as my, as my next best. All I aboard. Scared. You can tell me he was out. <laughs> no, I got you there. All aboard the Norwich bandwagon here. Um, Puki is 2.6 to score any time with Skybet. That's a standout price there. And I've done this recently, and it was the one game in the last 10 where Puki basically fired a blank against Watford in that 1-0 defeat on Boxing Day. Even in that game, you know, he was an he was a Messina, unbelievable last-ditch tackle away from having a free shot of goal eight yards out with about 10 minutes to go. So I'm back on the Pookie wagon. I'm, I'm very, very bullish that this is just good value. I don't think Pookie 
is yet being priced up as short as I would expect for someone who I consider to be certainly the joint best goal scorer in the league, playing for the team at the top of the league who's whose strength comes in creating chances and him very much at the forefront of that. Since the end of November, Pukki's had so many chances, so many shots in almost every game apart from that Watford game that I mentioned. He has scored in five of his last 10 league games, so that this would have copped in five of his last 10. He's got seven goals in total in those last 10 games. Um, aside from the that, that Watford game, it, he has been a threat in every game as well. He's averaging over three shots a game. And, and you know, Pookie, these aren't shots for shot's sake. His shot map is as good as ever, that poacher that he is. And um, we know that there are a number of different areas inside the box where he excels at finding the corners and stuff. As you said, this is still Norwich. They are not a million miles away from what they were two years ago, which is why they are at the top of this league table. This is still Temu Puki as well. This guy's got 40 goals in 62 starts in the championship. And I don't think that he's being given the respect that he deserves. Norwich are 2.25 to win best prize, I think, and Puki 2.6 to score. I see Blackburn are even money to beat Stoke. And Armstrong, 2.2, fair bit shorter than Pookie, really. And I see Coventry a 2.2 to beat Coventry on Tuesday. And I reckon you won't be able to get 2.6 on Lucas Schrau to score any time. So I just think it's wrong. And I'm really bullish about Pookie at the moment. I know that we saw Norwich play Cardiff not long ago, as you said. They were comfortably the better side. I'm sure they'll have to dig deep at times here. But I'd be astonished if Pookie doesn't get at least two good looks at goal. Uh, and I believe in him as a finisher. Uh, or I, could, I think he could have scored more goals recently, uh, even with seven in his last ten. Um, but yeah, up the Timu, up the Norwich. Uh, let's let's really keep our fingers crossed for that one. What's next? I'm tipping up Swindon. Draw no bet against Doncaster. Uh, again, any anyone who criticises my uh, or doubts my impartiality can come back to this. Uh, this is kind of multifaceted, I guess. Um, I've been pretty impressed with Swindon's transfer dealings. I mean, getting Mark Travers in in goal is an immediate improvement on what they had before, and that has come to light straight away with the saves he made against Ipswich. Dominic Thompson made a ridiculous debut where he was credited with three assists for all three goals at Portman Road. Uh, I don't think we can necessarily expect that to continue, but he is, again an upgrade on what they had before playing at left back, a player with, with really good pedigree coming in from Brentford who took him from Arsenal. Kieran Freeman didn't play in that game. And I don't know if he's going to be fit yet, but he's another one who is, in my opinion, an incredible signing for a team in the relegation zone of League One to make. Then we've got Scott Twine, who's returned from his his, his loan spell at Newport um, and crowned his return with that incredible long-range strike uh, against Ipswich. Just very quickly, basically, with, with four or five additions, Swindon's first team is, is much better than it was two weeks ago. And I would argue that the performances that they were putting in that weren't getting any results before the uh, Ipswich game were on the improvement. They were not creating a great deal, but they were pretty solid defensively, coming off uh, better off um, on the in a couple of games where they didn't necessarily deserve to lose. So it wasn't a huge surprise to see them go and get a result the way that they did. And, and I kind of anticipate that they're going to improve in the next few weeks as well. I really like this Doncaster side. It's important to point out straight away, but I, I'm not convinced they necessarily come into this one in the best nick. You know, we, we saw them put in a, a brilliant performance against Blackburn in the game. They won one nil in the FA Cup. They scored early and then had to withhold an absolute barrage from, from Rovers and, and did it well. But Ben Whiteman's moved on who didn't play in that game, but of course now will not 
be playing centre midfield for them going forward. Uh, Bursic, of course, has moved on as is Lumley. So they've now brought in a lonely keeper from Brentford who played incredibly well against Rovers uh, in, in Balcom. So this means Halliday comes in to centre midfield, who's obviously a right back generally. Uh, Maja Gomez is still injured too. Josh Sims has been injured and has now returned to Southampton. I just get the feeling this is a side who maybe by the end of January with a few additions could be back where they are, but they're not the same Doncaster side that we that we saw a few weeks ago either. So I guess it's just, in my opinion, maybe the, the shifting plates of these two sides hasn't necessarily been reflected yet in the prices. And just in terms of pure first 11s, they're very different to what they were uh, when the two sides met back in, in mid-December when... Doncaster won that game 2-1. So again, a, a pretty marginal victory, it must be said. But but certain key players that played in that game won't be in here. Um, and I think Swindon, yeah, are a side to to keep an eye on because they could improve. So they're my my third pick. Um, I think it's 13 to 8, 6 to 4, Swindon draw no bet. That was a roller coaster from start to finish. Um the phrase shifting plates, genuinely poetic, George. And I think Thank you. given the amount of hours of nonsense we have recorded together since uh, <laughs> early 2016 to to hit upon a genuinely original phrase that I've not heard either of us use before <laughs> is no mean feat. Now, you might have completely made it up, but even so, I appreciate it. A couple of quick points before I get on to my next one. One, I'd like to be the first to say that instead of wasting time and syllables saying Dom Thompson, can we just call him Dompson from now yeah. on? I think that I think that makes sense. I'm sure he'd agree. Um, and secondly, his three assists on debut, brilliant start. He played really, really well. But I've got a real axe to grind with the assist stat at the moment, and that didn't help me. I'm afraid it comes from basically my I've I've got really into Ilyas Chair, as you know, in the last few weeks. I think he's really, really good, and I think he's underrated at the moment. And I think a part of the reason why he's underrated is. He hasn't got a single assist, apparently, in the championship this season. Um, now, if you look at expected assists on Y Scout and you know how accurate our Y Scout and how accurate our expected assists can be debated all day, but you know they don't pluck it out of thin air. And he's on four point nine, including obviously set piece assists um, with zero assists. So there is a genuine. There is it's right to say that Chair's been let down by the finishing of his teammates and um, therefore doesn't have any assists. He also did set a goal up against Cardiff, which just took a slight nick off the defender, so wasn't given as an assist. Uh, and he set up an own goal against Wickham the other day. Anyway, I've I've been a bit annoyed on behalf of Big Ilias um, <laughs> that he doesn't, you know, that people would say like, oh, Chair hasn't got any assists. That's not very good. Um, when that's not the case, he has been very creative this year. And Dom Thompson's miraculous three assists on debut kind of upset me as well just because you said we're going to call him Domson Domson <laughs> Domson you can't, can't say something and then just completely ignore it absolute goldfish stuff from me there yeah <laughs> Domson played brilliantly at left back and his first assist is good enough for me to say what an excellent signing he is looking like already great cross for Jai Simi but his second and his third were both I mean his second assist was a square ball in the middle of the park to Twine who hit the most beautiful shot I've ever seen from 30 yards. Uh, and there's there's one in the assist column for Thompson, which people take very seriously, the assist column. Uh, and then his, and his third one was a pass down the line to Jai Simi, who crossed it into the far corner. So, you know, um, I, I just, yeah, as, as I said, an axe to grind, but nothing against Thompson. And I hope him and uh, Swindon do the, do the business for you here. My last pick, uh, before the bonus anyway, is... Chuck Sanike, 
to score any time for Charlton at Bristol Rovers this weekend. It's 3.02 2-1 with Bet365. And yeah, I mean, he was as good as Quadro Bar was for Rochdale against Charlton in midweek. And that obviously drew most of our attention because he's a 17-year-old playing men's football and playing like that. I mean, Anike's performance was magnificent as well. I guess we kind of take it for granted because there's never been any doubt that Anike, at his best and when he's on it, is unbelievably tough to handle at League 2 and now League 1 level. But, I mean, looking a bit closer, he's a pretty interesting one to, 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 to look at as a goal scorer at the moment. And I don't think you can really ignore him. He's scored a goal every 88 minutes in League 1. He's got eight in total. Um, so he stands out as the best minutes per goal record of anyone that scored more than a couple of goals anyway. He's taken the most shots per 90. He scored the most goals per 90 as well, as I've just said. And like, he's not got this insane conversion rate. It's not It's not like he's running really hot with his finishing. He just takes a ton of shots. His shot volume is really, really high. Now, the reason why his, you know, this might not be that reflective in comparison to some of his peers in League One is that he's only started five out of 16 games so of course he's on reduced minutes compared to most but also generally if you're coming off the bench for 11 out of 16 you're coming up against tired defenses you know you might have a slightly easier time of it you could say so this is where I kind of hit you with a caveat because obviously I want to back him but I can't be 100% certain that he's going to start this weekend at Rovers here's what I read in the press today Anike played the full 90 in midweek, the first time he has played a full 90 this season. Asked if Anike would be able to start at Bristol Rovers after his exertions against Rochdale. Boya said, I don't know. This is the discussion we'll have this morning with the medical department. So, and sadly, I don't have an in with the uh, medical department, so I haven't been able to find out anything about this. But I'm not sure after that performance against Rochdale, you could, in good faith, put Chucks Anike on the bench. Because if he's going to rattle off a couple of performances like that. And if, you know, he's got fit and if he's actually feeling good within himself and if he's ready to apply himself, I mean, he's going to be too hot for Bristol Rovers to handle, that's for sure. And most defences in League One. So I want to ride the Anike train if all of that has fallen into place. I think he will score a ton of goals over the next month or two. But, of course, we need to make sure that he's starting before we back this. So I'm, I'm going to be setting an alarm or a reminder for 2pm on Sunday. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to be startled by an alarm. I'll set a reminder. Um, and uh, if he starts, I'll be on him. That's my, uh, that's my third pick. Chucks and EK, anytime, 2-1. to one. We bet 3-6-5 there. Uh, bonus picks. You haven't told me what yours is, but you did say you were very excited to let me and the listeners know about it. Yeah, it's two 100-to-1 shots. <laughs> Wow. Lockdown's really both, getting to us. I mean, they well, they could both win. They're not going to both win. Um, but if one of them wins and it's a 50-1 to one shot, it is in Accrington against Gillingham. Um, and it is 100-1 to one on Dion Charles to score a hat-trick. And it's 100-1 to one on Corby Bishop to score a hat-trick. And nice. the reasoning behind this is just because I think this could feasibly get quite ugly for Gillingham, whose defensive record recently is like shambolic they are so poor in terms of preventing teams from creating chances it's played out more in the in the data maybe than the results where they're averaging about 1.8 extra conceded per game and we know with Accrington we, we know exactly how they're going to play we know that they're going to play with two up front we know that that's going to be Bishop and Dion Charles when they beat them 2-0 at Gillingham recently it was those two who were on the score sheet uh, we saw against uh, Charlton last Friday as well that um 
that if they uh, if they go ahead, they're not a side who looks to sit on their lead. We can anticipate they'll continue to do that. They're two penalty box strikers, and Gilliam's big issue this season has been preventing decent chances against them. I just feel like there's a chance here that if Accrington take the lead early, it could get ugly. And whilst there are other players who could get on the score sheet, um, it's handy with a kind of genuine 4-4-2 team that, um, that this could be the case. I got the prices slightly wrong, so I need to go back and revise it. Dion Charles is 60 to 1, and Colby Bishop is 100 to 1. But even so, just back them both, same stake. Um, and then if one of them scores early, then I think you'll be sitting on quite a fun bet. So we've basically just joined in with the very modern fake news media brigade there by putting up 200 to 1 shots, one of which is actually 60%. Yeah, I know, it's bad that. I take it back. But, you know, I'm not going to ask you to edit it out because that's just too much work. That is too much work at a time where we would like to uh, put our feet up. Um, So my bonus pick is it's another goal scorer. I really, I don't know if it's just this week's slate of fixtures that I found tough in terms of of picking teams outright to win games or whether I'm, I'm just lacking confidence at the moment. There seems to have been a lot of weeks where... I have chosen a team partly because in this strange schedule, I have felt very confident that they would at least turn up and put in a 7 out of 10 performance. And on a number of occasions now, that has not happened. So um, uh, I'm, I'm slightly worried about that at the moment. But I'm more excited about these goal scorer picks. And I mean, I never thought I'd put up a centre-back first goal scorer at less than, let's say, 30 to 1. But I am going to put Will Boyle up, Cheltenham against Bolton. I mean, only three teams have a worse record defending set pieces as per the Fox Punter XG tables than Bolton. It's something that they've struggled with all season, uh, to be honest. And, I mean, Cheltenham, as we know, just I keep making the joke that the most creative player in League Two is Ben Tozer just from his long throws because they score so many goals from them. And Will Boyle is the always the target. And more, I mean, there are a few defenders in League Two who are just a massive shout to score any week. Early season, everyone was getting excited about Lewis Montsmer and he, you know, set piece monster, but he's gone quiet recently. But there are a few. Pretty guys... sure you coined that expression. So, yeah, and you now say it with such disdain. Yeah, well, I, basically, I used to get messages saying, why aren't you tipping Montsmer to score every week? The value wasn't there, mate. The value wasn't there. It was there. more the way you were saying, Lewis Montsmer, set piece monster, as if it was the most boring thing in the world. That was your words. Yeah, and I've got huge disdain for myself and almost everything <laughs> that I say. Um, anyway, Will Boyle is 22 to 1. And him and Aaron Hayden at Carlisle and, and Reese Bennett at Carlisle, to be fair, they are unbelievable from set pieces. And Dan Scar as well at Walsall, as we know. They're just constant threats in every single game, pretty much. And Boyle is 22 to 1 to score first. This is the week that I pick a short centre back goal scorer. Still 22 to 1, which is a lovely price for a bonus bet. Um, and whether it's flung from the hand of Ben Throzer, Ben Tozer, uh, or delivered by the boot of uh, whoever wants to take their set pieces, sometimes it's Chris Hussey, the left wing back, uh, I think that Boyle has a very good chance against a, a leaky set piece defence. Uh, of getting his big nut on another one and heading it in. And wouldn't that be a lovely thing? Because it's been a while since that glorious, miraculous Jake Cooper first goal um, back in God knows when. I don't remember any specifics of the year 2020. I think that's the first time we've also spoken about a player's nut. So that's good. Yeah, I think it probably is. Uh, George, that's the end of the NTT20 betting show, or at least our weekend selections segment. Could you just run me through what you've picked to remind me and the listener? 
Middlesbrough uh, to beat Birmingham is the nap. Norwich to beat Cardiff is the next best. Swindon draw no bet at home to Doncaster is the one after that. And then a couple of hat-trick bets, Colby Bishop and Dion Charles, both of them 60-1 to and 100-1 to at home to Gillingham. Imagine if they both score a hat-trick. That would be something. Um, <laughs> MK Dons, draw no bet, 2.5 away at Posh. Is my nap is my best bet of the weekend. Uh, I'm also backing Temu Puki anytime, 2.6 best price with Skybet. Chuck Sanike, if he starts, I'll be checking 2 p.m. on Saturday. If he starts, I'll certainly be backing him at the 2 to 1 that Bet365 are offering. And Will Boyle at 22 to 1 to score for Cheltenham against Bolton first. As always, I'll be taking the each way terms there as well, just in case he doesn't score first, but he notches later on in the game. I think as Bolton tire and those trebuchet long throws come in, there's every chance. There's every chance. Um, that's the end of the betting segment of this. We're now going to run in a snippet from the Five Yards Five, which is a weekly show that George and I do as Five Yards Ambassadors talking about Five Yards. And as we say, this isn't the time for a long explainer. We've spoken about it on a few pods, but please do tweet us at NTT20pod if you want to learn a bit more about it. The best thing you can do is head to fiveyards.co.uk and have a play around, scout some players, track some players, get ready for the transfer window, which is open on Friday all day, uh, and add to your squad. George, I know that you are... So nervously checking the status of Omar Richards at the moment, having added him to your squad yeah. last week. Yeah, I bought 100% of Richards, um, fully in the knowledge that he was soon to be the replacement for David Alaba at Bayern Munich. I don't necessarily know if I want to own Omar Richards if he's actually just at Reading. So um, Omar, if you're listening to this, please can you sign the deal? Uh, for Bayern Munich and the way that Bayern Munich are playing at the moment they probably get a game so that'd be nice <laughs> you're not wrong there so we're going to finish off with a couple of players within the EFL very much our bread and butter of course and first up Derby's Louis Sibley 19 year old mm. midfield player on five yards at 21 million pounds pretty penny that already you have to say on five yards and Sibley's someone who burst onto the scene um, in, in the early part of 2020 in fact the last EFL game that was played before the break for the global pandemic, which hit the nation and, well, hit the globe, um, was Sibley scoring an absolute screamer live on Sky against Blackburn. And then the first game back after the three or four months that they had off, he's got a hat-trick against Millwall. And so those two things combined meant there was a lot of Sibley hype around that period. The hat-trick itself showed just so many exciting qualities in a young player because Sibley's not a striker. Now, you might think scoring a hat-trick would normally be a, 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 you know, a, a number nine. Actually, Sibley was playing in the hole that day, breaking from midfield into the box, making late runs. And what we saw him on that day, which is basically what you're looking for at the very top level, was an ability to play in tight spaces, uh, a desire and the energy to run in behind constantly, make clever runs, not just runs for run's sake, and a calm finisher as well with both feet. So there would have been a lot of scouts flocking to Derby games towards the end of last season. This year, he hasn't necessarily found a role in a Derby side. They, of course, had a horrendous start to the season, are starting to build again under Wayne Rooney. And Sibley's been a part of that, but a, a bit part, I would say. They're playing 4-3-3, and I would say that there's not an obvious place for Sibley right now. He's been starting a few games out wide uh, as a winger, but him and, and him and Jozviak sw uh, swap wings a lot. I think Sibley's someone who's not a natural wide man. He wants to be involved in the half spaces and even actually in central areas. So 
possibly you could see, given that he's left-footed, off the right-hand side, coming in narrow with an overlapping uh, attacking right-back, you could certainly see him, him getting into some dangerous areas and developing his game that way. But I do think this is one concern about Sibley when we're thinking in five-yards terms, trying to project the next few years and the career uh, you know, uh, beyond that. I'm not that sure how easy it will be for a player of his profile who potentially might want to play as a sort of second striker or a number 10 to actually find a ton of opportunities, either in the championship or, of course, up in the Premier League, which is where we really want these EFL players that we buy in five yards to end up. So, I mean, for me, it's not—it's certainly not a buy right now with Sibley. It might be that as Derby um, improve even further under Rooney uh, and under Rooney's tutelage, of course, Sibley could develop his game. He's still so young at 19 and a year or two ago, he was dominating youth level in a brilliant Derby side. So, you know, there's so much time on his side that as a really uber long-term um, hold or buy, I mean, absolutely, I wouldn't put you off necessarily. But for me right now, I think he's quite a long way off being a starter in a Premier League team. And unfortunately, in five yards terms, given that's where the PP's at, um, at, at the moment, I'm not seeing a huge of, of PP on his immediate horizon or a huge price rise, uh, rise as well, which would be another reason why you'd want to buy into someone. So it's, a, it's, a, it's one for me to leave alone at the moment. But certainly, if you've not seen a lot of Sibley, he's a player to watch for Derby County, that's for sure. Uh, next up in the EFL, George? Yeah, Harry Pickering. Um, I wrote a scout report on Harry Pickering uh, last week. Um, disclaimer, I wrote it because you and I were talking about him on Sky Sports on Friday evening. Mm. And what better way could there be to prepare about talking about a player than watching loads of videos of him Correct. and writing a scout report? And that was um, that was what I did. I mean, he's a player that I've known about for a while now. I mean, he was key to Crew's promotion winning side in, in League Two last season. But... He, he, you know, he's 22 years of age. For those who don't know, he's 22 years of age. He is a left back, um, and he is a very attacking left back. He's a player who his relationship with Charlie Kirk, who is the left-sided kind of forward player for Crew, has been really important to the way that Crew play uh, under David Artel. They play a very attacking brand of football using both fullbacks Perry and G on the right hand side and Harry Pickering on the left a lot in terms of their attacking output. But Pickering is in many ways a a kind of modern day fullback as we expect. He looks to get forward whenever possible. He's very good at getting on the overlap to Kirk. Um, maybe a little bit suspect defensively. Um, he's got pace, not necessarily searing pace, but he's quick enough, um, especially on the ball. Um, but in other facets of his game, he's very different. He often drifts inside to, to take up positions on the underlap where Kirk will move on the outside. He often even comes inside in order to make the run inside the right back um, to pick up the ball on the byline. His delivery is also very good and he scores free kicks too. In my scout report, I put him as level now 65, potential 80. And I don't think that's necessarily much to do with his ability. I think it's just he's the kind of player who's going to get better very, very quickly in the right team. He needs to play for a side who retain the ball, who, who look to play fast, aggressive football and around better players. He's been very heavily linked to Blackburn in the last week. The fees being quoted um, around the £500,000 mark are surprising, not just for us, by everybody. You know, the £6 million that, um, that five yards have him at is more reflective of his ability and his talent and where he's going to go, I would say. But it does, in the press today, it sounds like Crew are holding firm for whatever they want and Blackburn might be coming back in the summer, which would be great news for Crew, um, for crew fans. He, he's just a really fun player to watch. Blackburn um, fans, I'm sure, would be delighted to get hold of him. And, um, and in terms of 
the reason why I say that it's not necessarily him, I think if he were to move to Blackburn in January, I think by February, he'd be closer to 80 than 65. We just have to see that progression at the high level. Um, I put him down as a strong buy in the scout report. I definitely still think he is that. Um, he'll be playing championship football very, very soon, uh, if not in January, certainly in the summer, because if Blackburn are in for him, I can guarantee you that a few others are too. <laughs> well, it was a busy transfer window on Tuesday. We've got another one opening on Friday. Just to go through some uh, eye-catching buys, Musa Dembele we touched on. Someone went pretty big with a buy of Dembele, but players from all over the world uh, being bought on five yards on Tuesday. No doubt that will be the same on Friday, in Friday's transfer window. And there's a ton of new players going up on five yards, as always, guys. Just looking down the list now, and I, I barely even know which ones to pick out. Aaron Hickey, of course, the Scott playing in Bologna. He's certainly worth a little scout, I think. Fikeo Tomori will go up on five yards ahead of potentially a lone move to Milan, which could be of interest to some of you. And in Chelsea terms, you've got Jude Sunsup bell Could he be the next wonder kid? through the Chelsea Academy, scoring for fun in the youth team, of course. But there's tons of other players as well. You can find out who's going up on five yards on our Twitter account at five double underscore yards. So do get involved there. And please do get in touch with us in the comments section on YouTube by sending us a tweet. We'd love your requests for anything you, you'd like us to discuss on this show each week however you'd like the show to pan out we're always open to ideas and thank you so much for joining us please forgive me for wearing a hat indoors um <laughs> George, thank you very much we'll talk again next week